0: 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to verse 27.
1: Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run
0: in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. How many of you did watch the uh, the Winter Olympics? Any of you get into that? Uh, what was your favourite event? What, um... I can see you're whispering down here. Yeah, girls, what, were your, what was your favourite event? Skating, yeah, it's quite often for the women. The ice skating, yes, Oscar. Skate, snowboarding, yeah, that was quite good, wasn't it? Yeah, Amy. sleigh. yeah. Sorry. Swimming, didn't see much swimming myself. It's more usually the Olymp- summer Olympics, isn't it? The swimming, yeah, I like the swimming. Um, yeah. Skiing, yeah, the best skiing I thought was the ski cross. Anybody see that? We've got the skiers racing down four at a time um, over these jumps, um, going through the, uh, the bends. Um, it's amazing because all these people have trained for years and years for this, this one moment, and yet a split-second decision could mean all that time was just wasted. Could mean the difference between winning and losing. And in the Olympics, only one person is a winner. Only one person wins the gold medal. The rest, at the end of the day, are losers. But this morning, in a passage which uh, Luciano just read out for us, we're looking at a prize that is worth much more than a gold medal. This prize is described here as a crown that will last forever. And it's a prize that all of us here can win. Well, we're going to look at what it means when it says here in this passage, run in such a way as to get the prize. Because we are warned that there will be winners and there will be losers. Right, so what we're going to look at in this passage in these next few minutes is, how can we avoid being a loser and instead be a winner? So we're going to start by looking at the losers, the ones who miss out on the prize. And the first category of losers are those who don't train says here, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training in other words, if you don't go into strict training you're not going to win the prize remember the drama at the beginning of the service the guy, Ben panted, ran out of breath and collapsed on the floor, basically as he hadn't done any training, there were more interesting things for him to be doing than training and I'd just like to show you an int- extract from the Christianity Explored course now, I hope to be, this one will work Um, This is uh, the course is presented by Rico Tice of uh, All Souls Church in Langham Place. It's the one we use for our our courses, which we run regularly. And he's uh, very much into his rugby. Uh, There's no prize for guessing what position he plays when you see him. Um, But let's see what he says about the importance of training. In 1991,
2: when I went to theological college, I immediately joined the University Rugby Club, which was quite competitive, so I was sent a summer training schedule. In it were details of club training and testing, and I was to report here to Iffley Road at 10 o'clock in the morning with my gear. So I circled the date in my calendar and filed the training schedule in the bin. I thought to myself, I'll do some press-ups, do some sit-ups, go on some runs, I'll be fine. Well, September eventually rolled around. I had a pretty casual summer, and I turned up here with my gear, feeling quietly confident. When I arrived, all the guys were very quiet. There was an eerie silence in the changing room. No banter at all. Then suddenly the coach came in and said, right, we'll start with a bleep test. The bleep test is a test where you run back and forth over 20 yards in time with a bleep that gets faster and faster. You run until you drop. In my case, that was not long in coming. I was the second to drop out, having collapsed and been physically sick. Next, we had to strip off to our shorts for the so-called fat tests. I think we'll leave this part of my story to the imagination, but suffice it to say, it wasn't pretty. Your body fat is measured by this contraption that pinches the flesh on your bicep, tricep, stomach, side, thigh and calf. There was only one other guy who had a higher percentage of body fat than me. We became firm friends. Well, flabby friends anyway. The results of all these tests were recorded and publicly announced. It was extremely humiliating. Eventually, when all the tests had been completed, the coach got all of us together and said, Well, it's not comfortable, but at least we found out the truth on the training ground before the real questions get asked during a proper game. Some of you have been really exposed, haven't you? Sometimes we experience things in life that give us a shocking dose of reality, that expose us in an extremely uncomfortable way. But as our coach said, it's better to find out the truth about ourselves while we still have time to do something about it. Well, in that video, um, Rico Tice uh,
0: said he was given a training manual. Um, But what did he do with it? What did he do with that training manual he was given? To take away and practice over the summer? Any of you young guys remember what he did with it? What did he do with that training manual? Yes, yeah. He threw it in the bin, didn't he? He threw it in the bin. He thought, do a few push-ups, go on a few runs, and he'll be all right. I'm not quite sure what's wrong with that. It seems to keep me okay. But when it came to it, he said... He was, found, he was found out. He was found to be pretty unfit. And as he said at the end, they're better to be found out on the training pitch than in a real match. And in many ways, life on this earth is the training pitch. It's a training pitch for the life to come when we die. That's not to say that you can't become a Christian just before you die, because remember we looked at a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the thief on the cross, somebody who gave his life to Jesus just before he died, who trusted in Jesus, that his death was sufficient for him to have eternal life. But however early or late in our lives that we make that decision, I hope many of you younger guys have made that decision already. I hope many of you are thinking about um, being baptised at some stage. We don't simply stop and say, right, I've made the decision, now I'm okay. Now I don't need to do anything, I can chuck the training manual in the bin. Because we're called by God to grow in our faith day by day. Like a rugby player, when he starts to get to 30 or whatever, um, starts to go downhill, age creeps in, and however much training he does, he won't be able to stay at the top of his game. But as Christians, we can grow in our faith right up until the point we die. And the question is, how do we train ourselves, though, to, to be more godly, to be more like Jesus Christ? In the video Rico showed, he used a training manual which you threw in the bin as we've said. But we too have a training manual. Anybody know what our training manual is? What is the training manual that we as Christians can use? Any younger guys know what is our training manual? Yeah, Amy. The Bible. Yeah, this is in many ways our tra- training manual. It tells us what we need to know about living a life of faith, a life of obedience. And the trouble is, like Rico, um, you know, we might not throw it in the bin, but just as bad as that is if we just don't open it. You know, we might think we can do the equivalent of a couple of push-ups, a couple of runs, you know, maybe we will just send up a couple of prayers before bedtime. Uh, that's all we need to do. But I want to encourage all of you to, to read it regularly. You know, ask your parents to read it with you. You know, grown-ups read the Bible together, so I want to read it with a parent. You know, there, there are loads of different notes you can use to help you. And we can... Uh, Supply you with those if you need. The thing about training is is that it requires what's called discipline. And that means we do it even when there are times and we just don't really feel like it, a bit tired. And I guess we're all tempted at times to think, you know, unless I feel like doing it, I'm just, there's no point doing it. If you ask the best athletes, you know, every time they went out training, did they really feel like doing it? You know, they'll say, well, no, not every time. Sometimes I really didn't want to do it. But they knew if I was going to win that prize, if I was going to get that gold medal, I had to go and train regularly. And it's the same for us as Christians. We need to meet with other Christians. We need to read the Bible. We need to pray. Even when we don't really feel like it. So losers are those who don't train. Secondly, those losers are those who run for the wrong prize. Verse 25 says, everyone who competes in the Games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. They do it to get a crown that will not last. What is a crown that won't last? Remember the drama again? Remember the the other athlete, Jordan, who came running up? He saw the crowd... Taking photos and he enjoyed the fame, he enjoyed being a celebrity. He thought that was that was cool. But then the vow came past him at the finishing line and took the prize, took the trophy. And suddenly he was forgotten about. Nobody's interested in him anymore. He was no longer a winner. They focused their attention on someone else. He was famous for a while, but that just disappeared. At this point, I want to ask um, John. I don't know how many of you know John? Um, he's, uh, he and his family have been coming here um, recently. Um, he's normally the one doing the, uh, the questioning, um, but we're going to reverse the tables this time. He's a keen sportsman, um, but he's also a Christian. And uh, how there was a time when, when he wasn't, when he was pursuing the wrong prize, a crown that didn't last. So, um, John, tell us. Um, probably not easy to uh, to guess what your favourite sport is. I
1: yeah, wasn't really uh, built for any lithe, uh, skillful sports. Rugby union was uh,
0: Rugby was my union, sport. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We yeah. can see by the size of your biceps, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Our boys I, wish. I yeah.
1: completely empathise with uh, Rico Tice, because, uh, like him, I wasn't uh, too hot on the older, fat, uh, tests either. So, no, yeah. no, so I don't yeah. don't build me up too much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, our boys wish they had a dad with biceps like yours, but uh, yeah. I'm not sure whether they want us to, want me to be like Rico. But anyway, there you go. Um, now. Um, Tell us, um, tell us about the teams you play for. What's sort the of rugby teams you
1: play for? So I played uh, for teams in South Wales, uh, Bridgend, Aberab South Wales Police, and also played uh, representative rugby um, at various levels, uh, schoolboy youth and student for, for right. Wales. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And in those sort of halcyon uh, days of rugby, um, what was the most important thing for you at that time?
1: Well, I suppose... In those days, being honest, 10 years ago or so, um, I lived very much for the moment. Um, Again, being honest, I lived with a foot in either camp, um, which is a pretty miserable place to be, actually, looking back, because you're neither committed to Jesus Christ, and you're neither committed to the world, uh, and so your conscience is playing overtime because you know you're not happy. Uh, I suppose I looked for happiness, uh, in the camaraderie, in the team ethic, in the the potential to win man of the match, the potential to be a winner, uh, the potential to enjoy the company of my teammates, whether that be through drinking alcohol, whether whether it be through having a really good time. Um, And so I suppose I very much live for the moment. Um, Sport's a difficult thing. Um, I work in sport, as you say, and faith isn't easy, and I think especially for sports people, because the whole ethos and drive of sport as you've already alluded to is to be a winner so displaying signs of weakness or admitting weakness just doesn't come into it at all, it's about you, know, you winning the match, uh, an old uh, changing talk uh, that we used to have was if me as a flanker can get the better of my opposite number at all costs and if all 15 of us can do that then we'll win the match and we don't give a, a monkey's really about the losers, as you say it's all about winning so it's difficult for sports people, I think, to accept Jesus Christ because often the first step to uh, knowing Jesus is admitting that we need something, that there's something not right with us. And so, like you say, I wasn't a happy guy. Uh, I was searching for happiness in the wrong places. Um, having said that, there are individuals, and I, in my own sport, I think of a Michael Jones, a Vaiga Trigamala, a Jason Robinson. You speak to guys who've played with a Jason Robinson and they will tell you that they are utterly compelled by the man because he has a a real deep sense of inner peace. And that comes from the whole Christians in sport ethic, which is playing your sport for Jesus Christ, which I I probably never did, actually. Mm
0: -hmm. So what, what has changed for you now? Obviously, you're still keen on your sport, you're keen on your rugby. Um, but what is different for you now? Is that, is that any better?
1: Yeah, I suppose, um, in, in a way, I wish I was playing rugby now uh, because I, I think my outlook is, is, is much different. I suppose when I was playing, I very much looked in the mirror. It was about looking in, um, whereas in the last few years, I'm glad to say that Jesus has taught me to look out and to look up. And so rather than living for the moment, I can honestly say that my goal is, is heaven. And, and I believe that when I'm six foot under... That's graduation day for me. Everything between now and then is building up. There's, uh, there's a great saying um, um, that what we do in life echoes in eternity. And I don't think, um, I think it's very significant that Jesus' last words were proactive words. He doesn't say go and rest. He doesn't say go and relax, go and sit back. Jesus' last words before he ascended to heaven were go and make. And so that's the personal challenge for me, um, It's it's living for Jesus, but aiming for heaven, but taking as many people with us as possible. Paul says in Romans, doesn't he, uh, that endurance produces character and character produces hope. Um, And Jesus wants us to endure. And it is like running a marathon. You know, life can be tough. Sometimes you think you don't understand why things happen. You don't understand why you feel the way you do. But Jesus encourages us to endure. And that produces character. He shapes our character and that produces hope and I just have a real sense that this village and this country really needs people who have the hope of Jesus Christ within them I really do I see it every day at work and and I just feel that need for people to have that big deep inner void filled and um, for me the only one who could fill that is Jesus Christ thank God
0: thanks very much John if you want to hear more from John he's the after dinner speaker at our curry night coming up on Tuesday week so do sign up and invite your friends along to that. There are lots of wrong prizes we can run for. Um, there are those that God tells us are wrong. But there are also those which in themselves, as we've said, are not wrong. But um, it's when we make them more important than God. Sport's a great thing. Um, as John was saying, I love it. Mikey and Vex, uh, as they were saying, they love it as well. They, they play, they pray, and they say. But when it becomes more important to us than God, then then we have a problem. Um, and we can say the same about a lot of things. So a loser, getting back to what a loser is, is someone who runs without training, somebody who runs for the wrong prize. Um, but also here, it also says here, somebody who runs without a goal, somebody who doesn't know what they are running for. It's verse 26, it says, therefore I don't run like a man running aimlessly, I don't fight like a man beating the air. To run aimlessly is to run without an aim, to, to run without a goal, without knowing where you're heading. Have you guys seen the film Forrest Gump? And um, remember, he went, just went running um, for three and a half years. He went running. Uh, I think there's a picture coming up at the bottom there of what he looked like after three and a half years. Um, no particular goal, just kept running. And you may say, "Well, that seems pretty stupid. What would you want to do? Do that for?" Um, but I think it's also easy for many of us to do that in our Christian lives. You know, for days and weeks to go by and to wonder. Well, where do they go? What do we do with that time? What did I actually do during that time that was particularly meaningful? If my aim in life is to become more like Jesus, then what did I do to achieve that aim? If we're running with an aim, then we're giving our all for Jesus. Well, we've said enough about the losers. Let's come on to the winners as we finish. Um, In many ways, to be a winner is to be the opposite of what we've talked about. It's somebody who who does train hard, who is disciplined, uh, who does run for the right prize. Who runs with purpose. And the question, of course, is what is that right prize? And what's the special about it that makes it worth training for and running hard for? Well, the way Paul answers this question is by first contrasting the different prizes. There's the prize the athlete wins, who puts in years of training, and in that case there's only one winner. You know, the one who gets the gold medal. That is the one who gets the fame of being best in the world at his particular event. That's a fame as we've said that just disappears quickly as we saw in the drama. People move on to somebody who's the next best. Then there's the crown that lasts forever. Not just for this lifetime. That crown is eternal life. Living with Jesus forever in the new earth, the new heaven. No death, no pain, no crying. Hallelujah. And we're running for that. We're running for eternal life. But to understand what eternal life will be like, let's just turn to 2 Timothy. I think it will come up on the board, actually, the verse. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 8 says, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. What is a crown of righteousness? It's always always like a crown of perfection. In this life we sin, we repent, God forgives us and hopefully we sin less as we go through life. But when one day we see God face to face, we will be like him, it tells us in the Bible. We will be without sin. That's such an amazing prize. That Why would we not want to, to aim for that prize? All we need to do to win it and not be disqualified is to keep trusting in God, to keep obeying him. He's the one who saved us. He's the one who's given us the strength by his Holy Spirit to to persevere. The the way in which we run the race shows us in whom we trust. Is it in God? Or is it in ourselves? And a final great piece of news from this passage is that whilst for athletes there will be only one winner, only one gold medalist, the crown of life, the crown of righteousness is available to everybody. Every one of you here this morning. And if you haven't yet accepted that gift from God can I just urge you to to do it before it's too late. That is the crown that lasts.